Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. Now, let's get into it. Let's welcome to Brand Insider, iBuyDirect's brand director, Jim Merck. While the D2C eyewear space has gotten considerably cluttered with Me Too brands in recent years, iBuyDirect is one of the earliest entrants, founded in 2006. The company recently went through a major rebranding effort around the themes of self-expression and individuality. Jim himself has been in the D2C space for a number of years. He joined iBuy two years ago after a long tour of duty driving branding at the tech retailer Newegg. Jim, welcome. Thanks. So glad to be here and uh, can't wait to talk more about uh, all things branding and rebranding with you. So let's start with the rebrand effort. But before we get into the research and the new messaging, what compelled the rebrand in the first place? What were you solving for here? Yeah, so we kind of wanted to, you know, you mentioned the the crowded space that uh, we find ourselves in. And we noticed that um Despite you know tremendous growth that we were having, our brand awareness was not growing at the same rate, and that's not an uncommon thing in direct uh, in D 2 C markets or in online only retailers. Uh, New Egg faced the same thing. It had turned into a billion dollar company and had a ten percent um, <laughs> brand awareness uh, when I joined. So, you know, you can do a lot of middle and low funnel uh, activities that result in sales, but don't result in brand awareness. And so before we started to really take a look at what were we going to do to drive brand awareness, because there is a belief that and there is uh, data that shows once you get brand awareness up around 40 percent, that your efficiency of your mid and lower funnel activities begins to become more efficient. Mm -hmm. So there was um, a drive to kind of match what we were doing with our growth in sales with our growth in brand awareness. And that really necessitated a study of where we were and where we wanted to go and how best to uh, manage that. So uh, in talking about the research, I know that you re released the, the top line results about um, self-expression and individuality as key themes here. I'm curious, in that research, did you find out pre-existing uh, ideas that were associated with the brand? How, pe how people thought about the brand that you wanted to move them away from or towards these other themes? Sure. The Our first brand awareness, and uh, most people thought of us as a discount brand. And that was something that we really wanted to move away from. Um, while we do save people money, and you know, if you're an eyewear, eyeglass wearer, you know, you're just used to spending four hundred dollars when you go to get a new pair of glasses, and you're used to doing that either once a year at best, or every other year depending on your insurance plan. Um, and you know, so I for the longest amount of time. I'd buy a pair of glasses one year, buy a pair of prescription sunglasses the next year, you know, and just kind of hope that I didn't lose anything along the way. Uh, or I'd be like, oh, well, it's going to be bright or or dark. But um, 
Yeah, we really did want to try to go away from being thought of as a discount brand. Um, we did want to change that into uh, being an affordable brand. We still believe that we are affordable, but we really also wanted to emphasize the quality aspect of our uh, eyewear. You know, that is really important to us. We're the first stage of what we do is correct eyesight, correct your vision. And, you know, when you're wearing glasses uh, and you can see well, oh, it feels great. You know, mm -hmm. there's nothing better than that uh, pair of glasses that you get after the exam and you can see like a hawk again, mm -hmm. you know, nothing, nothing's blurry. Nothing is, you know, like squinting, you know, you're relaxed. And then on top of that, if you've got the right style and somebody says to you, man, those look good. It's like, oh my gosh, you're the bounce in your step even bigger. So you feel good and you feel confident. And that was the thing that we found was resonating with our customers was that they were like, yeah, we like the amount of styles that you have. Mm -hmm. We like that. So we kind of put all of that together to help us redefine our brand and reposition ourselves so that we weren't a discount brand, but we were more, you know, something that you could do to express your individuality, you know, have more than one pair of glasses, you know, have a pair of glasses for different activities. I mean, you know, our average price for a pair of prescription glasses is about a hundred dollars, you know, out the, out the door. But if you get progressive lenses, it goes up to about $124. Mm -hmm. That's about a $300 savings per pair of glasses that you would get at the office, right? That's a huge amount of savings. So now you can really think about getting two pair, three pair, four pair, um, or getting two pair a year, you know? And then now you suddenly have a lot of ways to express your individuality um, throughout the day, throughout the week. You know, and it's it's an awful lot of fun. So that that was actually one of the things that I noticed when I was looking at some of the creative and especially some of the social influencers that you mm -hmm. is that you tied rather than simply try to move away from value, you were able to tie these themes of self-expression with value that you know it's affordable enough so that you can have a collection of these things. Yeah. I thought it was and a clever move. Thank you, thank you. Um, but it's and it really does. I mean, you know. No one looks at me and says, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get fashion advice from that guy. Mm -hmm. But since I've been with iBuyDirect and I've got a collection of glasses, um, you know, people are like, oh, Elton John, are we? And, you know, mm -hmm. it's fun. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, it's kind of fun to see what people are going to say with my next pair of glasses, you know, that I come to uh, different events with. Um, you know, and I was uh, giving a talk um, at one event. And I said, here, I'm going to be um, a late night host now. All I did was put on a different pair of glasses, you know, kind of a translucent uh, acetate, you know, thinking kind of like uh, Dave uh, Letterman, the kind of glasses, you know, he wears now. And then you go to a more professorial type of acetate and you start to look like Stephen Colbert or your favorite professor. And then you put on some sport glasses and now you look like you're ready for the golf course. And it is amazing how much transformation takes place with just a different pair of glasses. So when you pick a theme like this, which is, I mean, self-expression, individuality, that's about as, especially in the American context, is about as, as 
common as you as you can get. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what sort of creative execution then really makes that point. What are some of the choices that you made in terms of both your advertising creative, but also the the online and the the full digital experience of buying the glasses? Yeah, so it uh, it really was um, a top down, or, or maybe it's better said a bottom up. So when you start with that foundation of okay, we're going to start with you know this uh, value proposition of you know here we are, we're going to help you um, express yourself, right? So then we kind of um, rewrote our purpose, and so now our stated purpose is to empower people everywhere to express their individuality. So if that's your foundation, and then you know you get your purpose and your uh, mission in there, then the brand values that we chose were, okay, let's make sure that we deliver on integrity. Uh, we wanna show a diverse crowd of people. We really want those people to be, um, we call it uh, lovers of life, you know? They live outside the box. They're innovative. They act with confidence. You know, they they harness uh, unconventionality to inspire change. And then, you know, just being authentic. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's a you, know, you can be whomever you want to be. You're not going to as long as you're not hurting anybody, of course. Um, and be true to yourself. And we really feel like that will lead us now into what we want to look like. And so what we want to look like, of course, then is authentic, joyful, unconventional, and confident. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see that while we keep the diverse models, you know, our models are, are smiling. You know, they um, we have a wide range of models covering, you know, all walks of life. Um, and, you know, we kind of um, make sure that we are focusing on those people who might be, you know, style lovers. Uh, active lifestyles, um, and then conscious contributors. So you kind of see that. And then, you know, we get into our color palettes so that that um, every time you see a picture from us, you recognize it as, oh, that's an iBuyDirect picture. And then, you know, we redid the logo and the, 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 um, the logo form. So I buy direct went from looking like it was a, a bank logo into looking something more friendly and approachable and a little bit more vibrant and of today. And then we added this um, icon that uh, looks like somebody's wearing a pair of glasses or you know they they've got a lot of personality. So now we've got something else with which we can build brand equity. What did you? Uh, that was a lot. Sorry about well, this. What, Steve, what did but... you learn along the way internally? I mean, uh, I think uh, rebranding efforts um, also require uh, buy-in internally, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and, a, and a transition in thinking. Since after all, you're you're restating and redefining your mission. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you learned about the process of doing that internally, about mm -hmm. what it takes both in idea generation, but also making sure everybody's on the same page. So the first thing was, you know, we didn't have a purpose before, you know, we had a mission and a vision, but we didn't have a purpose. And without the purpose, we found that uh, different parts of our company were uh, interpreting the mission and the vision somewhat differently. 
So, you know, our, for example, you know, when we would see some of our performance marketing going out there or some of the stories uh, that our affiliate uh, team was developing, they were using imagery that was probably a little um, outdated, um, you know, and they just kind of, instead of uh, constantly refreshing them, you know, they were sticking around a little bit too long. Mm -hmm. And using some of uh, the phrasing that would suggest discount uh, rather than affordability or, you know, styles. Mm -hmm. And so when we started getting into our purpose, that helped tie every action and every channel together. And that was really big. Mm -hmm. um, so now we see that we're building synergy between our different channels rather than every channel building its own brand, if you will, mm -hmm. even though it's under the same brand. And that's that's a risk that many companies face is that if you're not you know, consistent with your branding throughout, and I know this is super obvious, but it it happens, you know, as your companies start to grow and as each channel seeing sees um, success in what they're doing, you know, they're not going to want to change. They're going to say, look, I'm getting success. If I change it, it might break. Right. And right. so you really have to have these conversations about we're not going to break it, but we're going to turn the ship, you know, three degrees. Mm -hmm. And if everybody does that three degree, we will all help each other and we will all benefit. Well, let's talk about some of those channels and especially the media plan. So when you're doing a rebrand like this, and you, mm -hmm. as you said, you were already you were seeing mid and lower funnel success um, continuing, but you really wanted to get, get that upper funnel so that you could drive uh, brand awareness that would turn into even greater lower funnel growth. Mm -hmm. So what's the media? What was the media plan? What channels have you chosen to heavy up on, and why? Yeah, so we do an awful lot of uh, you know, research, you know, we are a very data-driven company. And when we look back at what we were spending money on, it was kind of the typical things, you know, let's spend some money on events. Let's spend a little bit of money and maybe not even a little bit of money. Let's throw um, some six figures on a celebrity um, and let's, you know, do an activation with a celebrity and, you know, let's kind of do these things that people would think of as typical branding exercises. But what we found uh, when we did that is it had uh, little to no impact on our brand recognition. And we saw the same things uh, for our competitors, even when, you know, celebrities were chosen that, um, you know, it would help within a certain segment. So, you know, if you were to pick, say, uh, a, a favorite comedian, that comedian's following might be interested. But when you're talking about brand awareness, you're talking about the entire spectrum of the market. And so to find somebody who's going to cover the entire spectrum of the market, well, that's super expensive. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we were like, okay, let's let's stop doing celebrity types of, you know, um, uh, co-branded uh, acti activations. Mm -hmm. Let's stop doing, um, you know, sponsoring uh, events or putting money there. And let's do the one thing that we found made a difference was uh, connected TV. Mm -hmm. It's something that we could measure. And then, you know, taking connected TV and then the next step is terrestrial TV um, and 
we find that TV spending is, you know, where you want to be. And that is the one thing that can uh, measurably uh, change uh, brand awareness in the shortest amount of time. And of course, it's expensive. So you have to cut someplace and focus, you know, uh, your efforts to get there. But before you do that, you want to make sure that you've got your, you know, your visuals correct, right? And your your site um, together. What what sort of targeting were you do are you doing on CTV? You know, it starts. It's the eighteen to thirty five year old crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, our that's our base that resonates well because we have a tremendous uh, pool with influencers. I think um, what we do with influencers. Uh, consistently outperforms uh, industry benchmarks and you know um, the benchmarks that we have uh, seen not within our industry as well Mm -hmm. so I think um, you know I got to give a tip of the hat to our influencer team you know with um, uh, Cassidy she just does a great job of um, doing great research to find the right people who will drive engagement and setting them up for success. And that helps. What sort of things are you doing differently with social influencers from say other brands? Yeah. So I think um, it is, it's two things. One, we do an awful lot of research to find people who have communities that are very engaged Hmm. and, you know, and that are aligned with our values. And then the other thing is, is that uh, we give them a lot of freedom to we we assume that they know their audience better than we ever will so our creative briefs to them are structured in a way that they can say what they want they can give our message in a way that they that resonates with their crowd and that that can be a bit risky you're like oh my gosh you're giving them way too much uh leeway but it really works and so we see an awful lot of uh, engagement. We see an awful lot of pickup and our communities um, are, are growing at uh, a great rate, all of our social communities. How, how large a community do you want or do you manage? I think every brand that I talk to, especially in the DTC space, has a somewhat different approach. Some think less mm-hmm. is more. Use go, go for larger influencers so you're managing fewer or go into the micro-influencer world, but you usually need some sort of larger infrastructure to manage all that. Mm -hmm. So we want, I mean, we like to grow our community, Um, you know, uh, a larger community. I understand that, you know, smaller uh, communities can have better engagement. But the other side of the coin is larger communities um, help the paid social uh, team out quite a bit. You know, so um, we we try to go for uh, growing our community and that generally speaking, helps us on the paid side as well. So what is that connection? Uh, why, why are the larger influencers helping you on paid? So, you know, let's say that you've got um, an, an influencer uh, social media community size of about 500,000. And, you know, you do an organic post and that reaches, you know, 10 people. Then you get the the paid side of it and you can reach, you know, on a good day, um, 100,000 people and 10 people. I'm being a little silly, of course. Okay. Um, you know, you're going to but it, it just feels like, you know, when they when, you know, it seems like Mark Zuckerberg really likes money. 
you know, I don't want to speak for him, but it seems like he's really good at um, at doing that. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has noticed that, but, um, you know, it just seems like the, it's more and more challenging to get your entire audience to see what it is that you're doing, unless you're boosting or doing, um, you know, dark posts and, you know, advertising. Mm -hmm. So now if you have a bigger community, those dark posts and those um, things get to reach uh, a larger audience. Um, and that's the connection. It's real simple. Okay. Um, so, uh, it, but it is still, uh, it's increasingly cluttered since you guys started more than. Oh my gosh. The after. number of. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious now, uh, how do you deal with the clutter? Uh, what are the key differentiators? I mean, I myself have, you know, in the last year, I almost mm -hmm. gave up. I pretty much gave up on finding the grads classes I want online because I, I was confused by simply the sheer number of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are the key di differentiators in the market? For eyewear now? Well, I think first of all, having a, a website that is easy to navigate is really important. So we are constantly looking at our UX. Uh, we're very fortunate uh, to have um, uh, Alex um, take a look at our site and take a look at the competition and constantly refresh it, bring it to uh, the executive team and say, hey, I see this happening in the market. How do we want to respond and how do we want to make sure things are going easier uh, for our customers? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's been super successful. We're seeing uh, sudden new growth in our 50 and older crowd. Mm -hmm. And if that crowd is growing, I really believe that that's an indicator that our site is easy to navigate and easy to use. Mm -hmm. um, virtual try-on is super important. Our virtual try-on is really different than um, than the usual thing that you see on site. The usual thing that you see on site is, you know, you can put yourself in there and glasses will appear on your face. Usually though, those glasses will adjust to fit your face. And that's wrong because I wanna know if these glasses are actually gonna fit my face out of the box. And if the digital um, version of them is stretching a little bit to accommodate my face visually, and then when they come, they're not going to stretch out of the box. Mm -hmm. So um, this is a great insight that, uh, again, Alex had. Uh, he's very insistent upon. It's like if people put on glasses and they're the wrong size, they should look like the wrong size. And it really um, makes our returns go down quite a bit. You know, we we don't have really high returns because what you see in our virtual try-on is very close to what you get mm. um, uh, in terms of, you know, how it fits your face. And so, you know, but ease of sight, great virtual try-on, um, and then being able to use the filters to find what you're after, mm -hmm. you know. So we're seeing, um, I, I'm presuming that like almost all the DCs, especially those who are working in any capacity around health, um, you saw quite a bump uh, in sales mm -hmm. during COVID lockdowns. Sure. As retail has opened back up, are you seeing a migration back to physical retail? Is that impacting sales and and, and also how you're thinking about marketing? Yeah, it really did um, last year, especially. So you know, when we look at what had happened during the lockdown, not only was everybody locked in the room and on their computer, but also we're getting uh, stimulus checks. 
Um, and so what we saw was an awful lot of demand being pulled forward. Mm. Um, you know, you know, let's, I've got 600 bucks. So I'm going to put $200 of that into a couple pair of glasses and give it a try. So the benefit of it was, is that a lot of people realized that buying glasses online was feasible mm-hmm. and kind of fun. And, you know, you got good quality glasses, the prescription worked great. If you had any problem, you could have returns done easily and without a lot of fuss, right? Mm-hmm. Great, um, perfect kind of thing to learn. But then, you know, glasses, generally speaking, you replace about every 17 months, you know, uh, on average. I mean, if you can do that annual thing, uh, great. But then there's the other insurance that allows you to replace your glasses every two years. You kind of take the average of that and call it 17 months. Okay. So you get all of that demand pulled forward. You finally get to go back outside again. And what was happening is you go to your, your doctor and you say, Hey, you know, I, I'm going to get my glasses online. And he said, get them online you know, let me check your insurance. I bet you I can get you out of here for a free pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's pretty compelling. I like my doctor. He's a nice guy, um, nice woman, um, you know, whatever the case may be, and trustworthy. And you leave. And instead of spending $470, you spend $200. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, had you come to us, you would have gotten two pair of glasses for $200. But, you know, Um, So we did see that happening. Um, Since then, with, um, you know, everybody having their prescription handy now, uh, after, you know, seeing the doctor the first time, we have uh, seen uh, an increase in our sales to the point where August of this year was our best sales month ever, Hmm. period. And that's ridiculous. August is not supposed to be anybody's best sales month, you know, for for consumer goods. I mean, that's when everyone's on vacation, getting back to school, you know, um, getting ready. Um, you know. But what do you but, think drove that? I mean, was that your own? Was that your effectiveness of your own performance marketing? Because that came before the the rebrand mm-hmm. launch. No, that was after the rebrand launch. So I I jokingly tell the the company because we launched our rebrand in July and we oh, had our best August. best month in August. And I'm like, see, okay. this is what, <laughs> and of course that's impossible. Uh, and I know that, but um, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to be able to say, you know, if you would have let me rebrand us earlier, mm-hmm. um, you see what we would have enjoyed. Now, uh, of course, everybody knew that I was, um, was joking, but the truth of it is, is that rebranding, did have an impact um, uh, because you can break a brand through rebranding. So the fact that we had our best sales month ever after was a clear indicator that we didn't break the brand, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's great. And showed us that our research was, you know, on point and that we had set ourselves up to take advantage of uh, a good time frame within the market and to be able to grow. I don't think we were alone in having a good month in August, um, but why August this year was the highest month, I think that would be uh, a lot of conjecture Mm -hmm. and something that analysts would need to also look at. Um, 
So I think that leads us into, I think, a good place to, to wrap, which is going forward, what are the key measurements? Uh, mm -hmm. What are the main KPIs that you're looking at mm -hmm. when it comes to the success of the rebrand? So the, the key KPIs are uh, engagement, um, conversion rate, and uh, time spent on the, the website. You know, we can, we can buy traffic just like everybody else. Um, the media seems to be writing about us uh, more frequently. We want to be able to see what impact it's going to have on uh, brand awareness. We do our next study in October, so we hope that, you know, next week people are uh, thinking more about iBuyDirect in, uh, in the right way. Um, but, you know, and at the end of the day, we always want better sales. Um, not that brand is going to have a direct impact on sales, but you know, a bad brand can certainly have a negative impact on sales. So is, is Omnichannel the future of this? I mean, do you have a, a retail presence at all, or do you expect that you're going to uh, need to lean more into physical retail? Um, we don't have a physical uh, retail space right now. Um, be, um, you know, something to, to think about for sure. Um, but if we ever did uh, retail, it would definitely be something different than you know what is out there right now. I think um, we would need something that uh, is a long, you know, complementary to our brand in the sense of being innovative, in the sense of being, um, you know, something different, something interesting. So it's always fun to to think about. But you know, we're going to stay focused uh, for the time being on what we're doing online. Well. Uh... Jim Merck of, of iBuyDirect, thank you for your time today. Hope we'll get you to one of our events soon uh, to have you uh, talk live about how this rebrand went. Anytime, Steve. I'm always uh, eager to discuss and uh, share topics um, with like-minded people. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Thanks for hitting play on MediaPost's Brand Insider podcast. We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small, legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to MediaPost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at steve at MediaPost.com. Until next week, Let's mark it carefully out there.